Hey, we're going to uh, jump into the Bible, and that's always a good place to go. And if you got your outline, those of you watching online, you can pull it up on the Life Church um, Facebook page or the Life Church web page itself and uh, track with us. So let's go to uh, let's go to Libya. Um, this is where we're gonna we're gonna start today. Um, so Libya, right here. Um, and let's go to that next uh, map. Okay, so here's Philippi. This is where we're going to be talking from in just a few moments. And Rome, 800 miles uh, away. Paul is in under house arrest. He's writing this letter to the Philippi. And if you go straight south, there's Libya. So that kind of gives reference uh, to what we're talking about today. Um, we're going to go back to February 2015 when the terrorist group ISIS beheaded 21 Christians on the beach in Libya. In a video, the men are seen moments before their execution, and they're calling out to Jesus, and they're mouthing prayers to him. And most of these men were Egyptian migrant laborers working to provide for their families back home. And ISIS chose to slaughter these men in order to shock the world with terror. The response of the families sent an altogether different message. One mother of her 25-year-old son who was killed said, I'm proud of my son. He did not change his faith at the last moment of death. I thank God, and I know God is taking care of him. A pastor described his congregation, which lost 13 of its men out of these 21. He said the whole congregation was coming to the church to pray for their return, but in their prayers later on, they asked if they died, they die for their faith, and that's what happened. The congregation is actually growing psychologically and spiritually through this experience. You see, these men could have lived. They could have chosen with a simple confession to Allah. Those knives would have been lowered and their lives would have been spared. And here's the question, what would you have done if you were on the beach in Libya back in February 2015? We may not be facing terrorists in our life, but uh, we do face accusers and critics, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, some of you on Thanksgiving, you're going to possibly face family members that mock your faith in Jesus Christ. You may experience professors who make fun of believing in Jesus Christ. You may have colleagues gossip about you at work, about your personal convictions. And sometimes you do feel all alone in the process. You may feel weary, wounded, worried wounded from battle, worried that your crises may never turn out right. That could be you this morning. But living as a person of faith in a faithless world requires courage and acts of resistance, just like these 21 men on the beach in Libya. 
The odds are slim that we're going to be persecuted by ISIS, those of us here right now. But the chances are high you're going to be tempted to compromise your beliefs or remain silent in the face of evil. We all have decisions to make. We all have choices to make. And the Apostle Paul, he too had that temptation to remain silent. You think when he was a religious fanatic, life was going easy for him. He was the one chasing down Christians. And now when he put his faith in Jesus Christ, it was the religious community running after trying to kill him. And he's in prison under house arrest because of being a follower of Christ. Things were upside down, you might think. But he chose to press on. So this morning, let's take a look at Philippians 3. Starting at verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. These religious efforts that Paul had been involved in. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to read it and not only read it, but to apply it to our lives and obey it. Lord, help us to obey it. We're human. We're not perfect. We need your help to say yes to you. And so thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick on your uh, review, uh, let's walk through that. Number one, I choose Christ, verses 10 and 11. Paul talking about each one of us have a decision to make every single day of our lives if we're going to choose Jesus or not. Like those men on the beach in Libya, they had a choice to make. Am I going to keep my faith in Jesus or will I relent and compromise and... Give my allegiance to Allah. They chose not. We can choose to grow or we can go stale. It's our choice. And hopefully each one of us this morning, we're choosing to grow in our faith. Number two, know him. I want to know him. We sang about it. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Knowing is not a religious experience where you have got all this head knowledge, you know. You've got, you've got all the stories lined up in your brain, but there's nothing going on in your heart. Paul's saying, no, I want to know by experience. I want to have this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to keep growing and be a fully devoted follower of Christ. 
pretty interesting when you think that Paul had been a Christian for 30 years. <laughs> uh, sometimes we, you know, we've been doing this for a while and we tend to coast. We take the easy way. Paul says, no, no, I'm going to keep pressing on. It doesn't matter how long I've been a follower of Christ. I'm still hungry to know more of Jesus. So point one, experience the mighty power. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That mighty power, we read last week in Ephesians 1.19, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That is yours when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you right here, right now. Paul endorses that. So we don't have to go to a store. We don't have to go online and, and order it. That's a free gift again, that resurrection power. Why does Paul need that? Number two, he, to suffer with Christ. I want to suffer with him. The power of Christ's resurrection provides the strength and a motivation for suffering for Christ. You look at those men on the, on the beach of Libya, they were suffering for Christ. But they also realized they had that resurrection power inside of them to say no to compromise and say yes to fully devoted followers of Christ. Paul's saying, I want, I want to suffer with Christ and talk about suffering. You, you go to 2 Corinthians 11 and he gives a litany of things that he's already gone through and it's like, come on, he's saying, give me some more. You try to wipe me out, God's protected me, God's grace has been placed in my life. He says, I'm pressing on with God. I want to suffer with him. And so we too, can identify with what Paul's talking about. Number three, share in his death. Verse 10d, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. What's that all about? Well, according to the Greek, this is a participle, a participle phrase explaining um, how we can know Christ. We know him by participating in his death. Do we have to die physically? No, that's not what Paul's talking about. While we are being conformed in the very image of Christ, we're being conformed in his death when we die to sin. When we say no to sin and we say no to our old nature. And how many of you know we have died to the old nature, but that old nature keeps cropping up from time to time? Right? Yeah. Romans 6.11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Jesus took our punishment. We talked about that earlier. So God looks at us as though we have died to sin. We've been raised along with Christ to new life. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. So when temptation comes, we can say, I'm dead to that, right? I'm dead to that. How does that, what's that look like? Listen, when you 
experience the love of God being poured into you, the grace of God being poured into you, you start building momentum to where when temptation comes knocking, you say no to it. It's almost like a habit. Because of God's grace, I'm dead to that. That has no appeal to me. So, a practical way. On the internet, my, my, my um, email, I've got a spam folder. And I've got to go through that folder consistently to delete all the stuff that comes flying in. And it's not all good stuff, friends. It's, you know, pornography. A lot of pornography stuff comes flying in there. So I have a choice to make every single day. Am I going to click on it or I'm not going to click on it? Hmm? So that's the real world we're living in. What are you going to do? God has helped me to have no desire to click on to that. See? I'm dead to that. I'm dead to it. You get into the habit of saying no and experiencing the grace of God to say no to temptation. That's where victory comes in, friend. How about it? And dudes, if you're struggling with pornography, uh, listen, we are not here to look down our noses on you or whatever the case may be. You'd say, man, I need help. I need accountability. You know? We've got that opportunity at Guest Central with covenant eyes. So take advantage of it. All right. Number four, experience the resurrection. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul is humbly trusting God from the beginning to the end of his life on planet Earth. From regeneration to resurrection. <laughs> and this statement asserts that certain guarantee that Paul's going to experience future resurrection. Jesus said in 11.25, John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Even after dying, what's that look like? That means your body's going to die, but your soul's going to live forever. You're going to get a immortal body in heaven that never gets tired, <laughs> that never starts wearing out, man, you know, where, where life just, boom, starts pounding on your body, and it's like, oh, man. Listen, you're going to get an immortal body in heaven. Looking forward to that day. Jesus also promised in John 14, 19, since I live, you also will live. We may die physically, but we're going to live eternally. And we get to choose ahead of time, either heaven or hell. If we reject Jesus, it's hell, eternal separation from God. If it's, we put our faith in Jesus, it's in heaven forever with him. Pretty cool. That's what kept those 21 men in Libya from compromising their faith, by the way. They were looking to the future, their home in heaven, forever and ever. Maya and Carol... Just a thought here. Uh, she passed away uh, October 20th last month. 
This is what her uh, obituary read. Carol Dawn Messer, 85, of Hendersonville, went home to be with the Lord on Wednesday, October 20th, 2021, following a period of declining health. Her funeral was two weeks ago. My sister went to that funeral. And she said it was an incredible deal because, because the pastor talked about my aunt, her faith in Christ, and then he transitioned into giving the gospel message to the people that were there. And that, of course, fired up my sister. Yeah. So let's take a long story short here. My grandpa, which would be Carol's husband's father, uh, immigrated from Hungary uh, to Chicago, Illinois. He met uh, a young lady from Hungary herself who had immigrated, and they married, and then someone told them about Jesus. And both of them put their faith in Jesus Christ. They had four children. And my mom's mother died when she was 34 years old from cancer. And my grandfather never remarried, and so he raised those four kids on his own. And I'll tell you, in the process of those four, it was somewhat of a roller coaster with their faith. But I can tell you that all four put their faith in Jesus Christ, some later and some sooner. My uncle Steve, who Carol was his wife, um, he's the only remaining sibling alive right now. But he grew up in the church, and the pastor's son of that church was a pagan, and he influenced my uncle. And so my uncle kind of struggled spiritually for the first decades of his life. But there came a time when his faith in Jesus Christ was reignited, along with Carol's. And we saw that happening, and pretty cool. And so when, listen to this now, she went home to be with the Lord. Can that be said about you? You know, sometimes when you read through obituaries and when you hear families talking, oh, they're in a better place now, they're in heaven, without, and you think, I know that person. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not God, but maybe something happened that I didn't know about. Friends, you've got to secure that. That's like even right here, right now. Don't procrastinate. Jesus, you took my place on the cross. I'm putting my faith in you. You paid for my sin debt in full. Take my life and use it for your honor. And help me live for you all the days of my life through the power of your spirit, Lord. See? Take advantage of that. And I'm so grateful, man. Think about this. My, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, which include my mom, my dad, and Debbie and I, our children, serving the Lord from generation to generation Friend, passing the baton, that's a priority. It's a priority. 
And so this morning, I just want to encourage you as we look at this great opportunity of living for Jesus Christ. John 12, 26, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Do you know what following means? Anybody know what follow means? Follow means follow. You know, follow me in the car, whereas we're going on a quick trip. Follow me as we go to, you know, follow me. We have to stay close enough so we don't lose you in traffic, right? Isn't that right? There's a lot of traffic on the road of life, friends, and people are getting lost in the shuffle. Jesus said, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. That's pursuing him. That's pursuing him because I don't, you know, I want him close to me. Of course, he is close to you, but... That has to be a decision on our part. I'm choosing to follow Jesus because he loves me so much. When Craig Barnes was a child, he was a pastor's son. So that meant his dad was a pastor. And his dad brought home, I know it's Sunday, and so, you know, some of you put your minds on hold. And so we're going to walk you through here. All right? His dad brought home 12-year-old Roger. Roger's parents had died from heroin overdoses. Nobody was around to take care of Roger anymore. And so Craig said, my parents decided to raise him as if he was one of their own. At first, it was challenging for Roger to adjust to our new home. It was an environment free of heroin-addicted adults. Every day, several times a day, he said, I can remember my parents saying to Roger, no, no, that's not how we behave in this family. No, no, you don't have to scream or fight to hurt other people to get what you want. Or, no, no, Roger, we expect you to show respect in this family. It was a process. And over time, Roger made those changes. Now, Craig asked this question, did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become part of our family? No. No, he didn't. He was a part of the family simply because of the grace of Craig's father. But did he then have to do a lot of hard work because he was in the family? Yeah, he did. He did. It was tough for him to change. He had to work at it. But he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love he had received from my parents. Do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit of God has adopted you into the family of God? Certainly. It's a process. But not in order to become a son and daughter of our Heavenly Father. No, you make those changes because you are a son and daughter of God. And every time you start to revert back to maybe some old habits, old addictions of sin, you'll find that the Spirit of God will say to you, no, no, that's not how we act. In this family. Isn't that cool? Friends, this morning, I could talk about a lot of stuff, what's right and wrong. And tomorrow you could go on the internet and somebody else could tell you different. This is what's happened in my life.
when the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder and challenges me or convicts me, I get to choose, will I obey or disobey? That's That's the deal. It's the process. One thing at a time. And the Spirit of God is so patient. And so it's not rules or regulations. It is simply because I know how much God loves me. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to grieve him. The same with Roger and Craig's family. How about you? Father, thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we trust you. You have proven yourself over and over again. Lord, so many times we don't deserve your love and forgiveness. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves, Lord. But when we read your word, we, we see that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we stand on your word, Lord. No condemnation, no guilt or shame. We're forgiven because you shed your blood on the cross for me, for each one of us. So today, Lord, may we follow after you one day at a time, because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.